Chapter Twenty Two of Stories of King Arthur and His Knights. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joy Chan. Stories of King Arthur and His Knights by Hugh Waldo Cutler. Chapter Twenty Two. How King Mark was sorry for the good renown of Sir Tristram. The Queen departed from Sir Tristram, but the little dog would not from him. Therewithal came King Mark, and the dog set upon him, and bayed at all the barons. Thereupon Sir Andred saw by the dog that it was Sir Tristram, and King Mark repented that he had brought the madman in from the forest. Then he let call his barons to judge Sir Tristram to death. They would not assent thereto, but by the advice of them all he was banished out of the country for ten years. So Sir Tristram was made to depart out of the country of Cornwall, and there were many barons brought him into his ship. When he was ready to set sail, he said, Greet well, King Mark, and all mine enemies, and say I will come again when I may. And well am I rewarded for the fighting with Sir Mahos, and delivering all this country from servage, and well am I rewarded for the fetching of the fair sword out of Ireland, and the danger I was in first and last." So Sir Tristram departed over sea, and arrived in Wales. As he rode there through the forest perilous, a lady in great distress met him, that said, O my lord, come with me, and that in all the haste ye may, for ye shall see the most honourable knight of the world hard bestead, and he is none other than the noble King Arthur himself. God defend, said Sir Tristram, that ever he should be in such distress. I am ready to help him if I may. So they rode at a great pace till they saw a knight, that was King Arthur, on foot fighting with two knights, and anon the one knight was smitten down, and they unlaced his helm to slay him. Therewithal came Sir Tristram with all his might, and smote the two traitors so that they fell dead. Then he horsed King Arthur, and as they rode forth together, the king thanked heartily Sir Tristram, and desired to wit his name. He would not tell him, but said that he was a poor knight adventurous. So he bare King Arthur fellowship, till he met with some of his knights. Then departed Sir Tristram, and rode straight toward Camelot. Then was he ware of a seemly knight riding against him with a covered shield. They dressed their shields and spears, and came together with all the mights of their horses. They met so fiercely that both horses and knights fell to the earth, as fast as they were able they then gat free from their horses, and put their shields before them. And they strake together with bright swords, like men of might, and either wounded other wonderly sore, so that the blood ran out upon the grass. Thus they two fought the space of four hours. Never one would speak to other one word, and of their harness they hewed off many pieces. Then at last spake the one with the covered shield, Knight! Thou fightest wonderly well, as ever I saw knight. Therefore, if it please you, tell me your name. Sir, said Sir Tristram, that is me loath to tell any man my name. Truly, said the other, if I was requested, I was never loath to tell my name. I am Sir Launcelot of the Lake. Alas, said Sir Tristram, what have I done? For ye are the man in the world that I love best. Fair knight, said Sir Launcelot, Tell me now your name. Truly, said he, my name is Sir Tristram of Lyonesse. Oh, said Sir Launcelot, what adventure has befallen me? 
Therewith Sir Launcelot kneeled adown, and yielded him up his sword. And therewithal Sir Tristram kneeled adown, and yielded him up his sword. So either gave other the victory. Thereupon they both forthwithal went to a stone, and sat down upon it, and took off their helms to cool themselves. Then after a while they took their helms, and rode together to Camelot. There soon they met King Arthur, and when he wist that it was Sir Tristram, he ran unto him, and took him by the hand, and said, Sir Tristram! Ye be as welcome as any knight that ever came to this court. Then they went to the table round, where Queen Guenever came, and many ladies with her. And all the ladies said at one voice, Welcome, Sir Tristram. Welcome, said the damsels. Welcome, said the knights. Welcome, said Arthur, for one of the best knights, and the gentlest of the world, and the man of most honour. For of all manner of hunting ye bear the prize, and of all the terms of hunting and hawking ye are the beginner. Of all instruments of music ye are the best. Therefore, gentle knight, ye are welcome to this court. Now I pray you, grant me a boon. It shall be at your commandment, said Tristram. Well, said Arthur, I will desire of you that ye will abide in my court. Sir, said Sir Tristram, thereto is me loath, for I have ado in many countries. Not so, said Arthur, ye have promised it me, and ye may not say nay. So Tristram agreed to remain with King Arthur, who then went unto the sieges about the round table, and looked in every siege that lacked a knight. Then the king saw in the siege of Mahos letters that said, This is the siege of the noble knight Sir Tristram. And then Arthur made Sir Tristram knight of the table round, with great splendour and great feast, as might be thought. For that Sir Mahos, a worthy knight, was slain afore by the hands of Sir Tristram, was well known at that time in the court of Arthur, and that for evil deeds that he did unto the country of Cornwall, Sir Tristram and he fought, and that they fought so long tracing and traversing till they fell bleeding to the earth, for they were so sore wounded that they might not stand, and that Sir Tristram by fortune recovered, and Sir Mahos died through the stroke on the head. King Mark had had great despite of the renown of Sir Tristram, and therefore had chased him out of Cornwall. When now he heard of the great prowess that Sir Tristram did in England, he was sore grieved, and sent men to espy what deeds he did. The Queen Isolde also, on her part, sent privily spies to know what deeds he had done, for great love was between them twain. When the messengers came home and told that Sir Tristram passed all other knights at Arthur's court, unless it was Sir Launcelot, King Mark was right heavy of the tidings, and as glad was the fair sword. Then, in great despite, King Mark took with him two good knights and two squires, disguised himself, and took his way into England, to the intent to slay Sir Tristram. So King Mark came into England, where he soon became known as the most horrible coward that ever bestrode horse. There was much laughing and jesting at the knight of Cornwall, and much he was despised. Sir Dagonet, King Arthur's fool, at one time chased him through thick and thin over the forests, and when on a day Sir Launcelot overtook him and bade him turn and fight, he made no defence, but tumbled down out of the saddle to the earth as a sack, and there he lay still and cried Sir Launcelot mercy. So King Mark was soon brought as recreant before King Arthur, who already knew wherefore he was come into his country, and that he had not done the service and homage he owed as King Arthur's underlord. But King Mark promised to make large amends for the wrongs he had done, for he was a fair speaker, and false thereunder. 
So on a day King Arthur prayed of him one gift, and King Mark promised to give him whatsoever he desired, if it were in his power. Then King Arthur asked him to be good lord unto Sir Tristram, and to take him back into Cornwall, and to cherish him for Arthur's sake. King Mark promised this, and saw upon a book afore Arthur and all his knights. Therewith King Arthur forgave him all the evil will that ever he owed him, and King Mark and Sir Tristram took either other by the hands hard-knit together. But for all this King Mark thought falsely, as it proved afterward. Then soon afterward King Mark took his leave to ride into Cornwall, and Sir Tristram rode with him, wherefore the most part of the round table were passing heavy, and some were wroth, knowing that King Mark was the most coward and the villainous knight living. After a while letters came out of Cornwall that spake ill of Sir Tristram, and showed plainly that King Mark took Sir Tristram for his mortal enemy. Sir Launcelot in especial made great sorrow for anger, wherefore Dinadan, a gentle, wise, and courteous knight, said to him, King Mark is so villainous that by fair speech shall never man get of him. But ye shall see what I shall do. I will make a lay for him, and when it is made I shall make a harper sing it afore him. So anon Dinadan went and made the lay, hoping thereby to humble the crafty king. And he taught it an harper named Eliot, and when he knew it, he taught it to many harpers. And so, by the will of Sir Launcelot and of Arthur, the harpers went straight into Wales and into Cornwall, to sing the lay that Sir Dinadan made of King Mark, which was the worst lay that ever harper sang with harp, or with any other instrument. At a great feast that King Mark made came in Eliot the harper, and because he was a curious harper, men heard him sing the lay that Dinadan had made, the which spake the most villainy of King Mark's treason that ever man heard. When the harper had sung his song to the end, King Mark was wonderfully wroth, for he deemed that the lay that was sung afore him was made by Sir Tristram's counsel, wherefore he thought to slay him and all his well-willers in that country. So King Mark grew ever more jealous of Sir Tristram because of his prowess as knight, and his great love and loyal devotion to the queen, the fair sword. And by treason King Mark let take him and put him in prison, contrary to his promise that he made unto King Arthur. When Queen Isoud understood that Sir Tristram was in prison, she made as great sorrow as ever made lady or gentlewoman. Then Sir Tristram sent a letter unto her, and prayed her to be his good lady, and if it pleased her, to make a vessel ready for her and him he would go with her unto the realm of Logris, that is, this land. When the fair Isoud understood Sir Tristram's letter and his intent, she sent him another, and bade him be of good comfort, for she would make the vessel ready, and all things to purpose. Then she had King Mark taken and put in prison, until the time that she and Sir Tristram were departed unto the realm of Logris. And then Sir Tristram was delivered out of prison, and anon in all haste, they took their vessel, and came by water into England. When Sir Launcelot understood that Sir Tristram was there, he was full glad. He espied whither he went, and after him he rode, and then either made of other great joy. And so Sir Launcelot brought Sir Tristram and the fair Isoud unto joyous guard, that was Sir Launcelot's own castle that he had won with his own hands. And he charged all his people to honour them and love them as they would do himself. Near three years Sir Tristram kept the fair Isoud with him in joyous guard, and then by means of treaties he brought her again unto King Fox, which was the name Sir Launcelot gave unto Mark, because of his wiles and treason. 
but ever the malice of King Fox followed his brave nephew, and in the end he slew him as he sat harping afore his lady, the fair Isolde, with a trenchant glaive, thrust in behind to the heart. For his death was much bewailing of every knight that ever was in Arthur's days, for he was treacherously slain. And the fair Isolde died, swooning upon the cross of Sir Tristram, whereof was great pity. And all that were there with King Mark, that were consenting to the death of Sir Tristram, were slain, as Sir Andred and many others. End of chapter 22